Hey, real quick, just can I ask you a personal question? Yeah, always. about comedy. Yes. Okay. Do you ever find period jokes funny? Oh yeah. Yeah. See, my wife doesn't, and I was like, why can't I make fun of Elizabethan England? Why can't I make fun of Victorian England? You watch Downton Abbey and stuff. Why can't I make fun of that time period? Why doesn't wait? Why can't you, why can't you make fun of that time period? Uh, that's what I'm saying. There's period jokes. I like period jokes. Oh, I was. <laughs> uh, my wife is watching um, the Stanley Cup finals. Like a champion? Because her blues are in it. St. Louis this, blues. Why are you not watching this with her? It's game seven. Oh, Okay. <laughs> oh, let me no no no. Let me go run over and watch a sport I could care less. I could not care less about. The other day I was like, man, how can I care less about hockey? Nope, can't do it. I can literally not care less about it. Man, um, yeah, it's the end of the sports. A lot of sports are wrapping up right now. Oh, thank God. Now we can get to politics. Yay, Democrats yeah. twenty twenty. Wait a <laughs> oh, second. God, I can't handle anything. So, okay, can we establish a? Fl- no, 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 a few- Luke. We already yeah. know you can't handle anything. <laughs> we have established this. Twitter has given us that gift. <laughs> I literally had a person at church go, "Hey, can you do me a favor?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure. What's that?" Like, can you please tell Luke in his comments about Taylor Marshall <laughs> that if he's going to put Taylor Marshall on blast the way he did? He cannot get mad at people putting him on blast for what he did because when that's did I get the mad? nature of Twitter. <laughs> when did I get mad? When you called Taylor Marshall a douchebag for the Game of Thrones comment? Yeah, there was a douchebag. Like, when did I get mad when people said stuff about us? No, not about us. About you and... When did uh, I get mad? The the, the freaking Covington Catholic thing. That was the- six months ago. Yeah, yeah. It's still it's still fresh. It's everyone's mind. No, that was I'm okay, I'll be honest. Uh that person's an idiot. This was totally different. I'm just, I'm just kidding. They're probably very nice. I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> sweetheart. Don't say that. <laughs> probably a very kind individual who supports us dearly. Um I'm sure I've met you before. And we're probably friends. Um <laughs> But you wouldn't know it by the way Luke talks about you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that is totally different. Why? Because I think the Covington Catholic whole thing was this like um national like th- like it was on this um all consuming thing you know and like and Game of the, Thrones wasn't Luke no 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 I, I mean <laughs> it, yeah but not like I mean like you have to understand like the whole Taylor Marshall thing I forgot about it ten minutes later yeah like it wasn't really that big of a deal so I just, have a friend who's a mutual friend with Taylor Marshall and he is still upset about it. Wait, like he, like Taylor Marshall is? Yeah, he's upset that you said that to him. Well, he's a being a douchebag. <laughs> Some people would say that your comments were douchey. <laughs> he, is he really upset about that? I don't know anyone who knows Taylor. Oh, Marshall. that's so. Don't get my hopes up like that. <laughs> don't don't tell me I broke someone's heart who I hate. <laughs> no, I don't hate him. I like. I'm very indifferent towards him. <laughs> um. No, I really am. I I I really like. Um, I'm not saying I don't care. I'm just saying I'm I'm in, I'm indifferent. Um, yeah. Where am I going? Okay, let me throw this out at you. Number one, uh, I saw X Men Dark Phoenix. Oh yeah, I heard it was god awful. 
Uh, and number two, a movie that would have had more depth, more character development, more honest emotion, more facial expressions would have been Godzilla King of Monsters. <laughs> I heard that was on. <laughs> is, is it um, using the Lord's name in vain, like say God awful? I mean, if God thinks it's awful, then it's pretty awful. Okay. I don't know. I just, I just said that out loud. I was like, ooh. That... I'm not in a good headspace, so who knows what's going to come out of my mouth. I'm, getting, I'm not in control, everyone. That's not true at all. Uh, so you went and saw Dark, uh, Dark Phoenix. It's not good. Most critics have panned it. Uh, you did not enjoy it? It was so horrible and made no sense. And I knew because I'm doing, I mean, okay, not to sound stupid, but I'm doing Exodus 90. I don't know how much it's being advertised. I don't know anything about, like, opening weekend, blah, blah, blah. I know nothing about any of that stuff. So I'm going in, like, all I've seen is the trailer, and, oh, it's an X-Men movie, and it's Sophie Turner, and let's do this. I had no idea until after I saw the movie how, number one, it, it's been delayed two years. They've, had, they've spent almost as much money reshooting the movie as it did to originally make the movie. Um, they've had to do numerous script rewrites of the same se- of you know scenes that you know were eventually reshot. So it's ballooned out of control with costs. And then they didn't really market it because they had no more budget. Uh, what's the name of this film again? Dark Phoenix. This is how much I don't care about it. Like <laughs> honest, yeah. I but just, you, but yeah. did you know the Phoenix Saga from the cartoons? No, I, I didn't. Wa- I, I know the. Th- I know it from what call it. Last Stand. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, like the whole thing was the cartoon did it amazingly well because that's where you get the aliens and it's all fun in outer space and Professor X falls in love with an alien queen and you know what could possibly go wrong? Am I right? But, 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 what ends up unfolding in this is at the end of the last movie, X-Men Apocalypse, she goes full Dark Phoenix, and that's how they're able to defeat him. It's not brought up. It's never connected to this movie because she, like, radiates flames and all this. It never brought up ever again. Uh, And then the Dark Phoenix is a, that's not really a solar flare, solar flare that enters into her at the beginning of the movie. Okay, so Jennifer Lawrence totally phoned it in. It was so terrible. It was as if George Lucas wrote the script. At one point, at one point, Jennifer Lawrence is yelling at Professor X in the middle of the movie, and she goes, and judging by the way that all the women rescue the men, it should be called X-Women. And you're like, why was that supposed, like, it was supposed to be a sick burn, but you're like, but men and women equally rescued the people. In fact, Honestly, Nightcrawler did most of the work because he teleported into a space shuttle and freed them, and Beast built a ship that took them there and piloted it. And I don't hmm. understand anything. It was so lame, so terrible. As soon as she said that, I just went, oh, this is going to be awful. And it was the whole rest of the movie. Never got better. I feel bad. I don't, I'm trying to not, I don't want to curse anymore in here. So I feel bad that I curse earlier, everyone. I'm sorry. Bleep that out. Uh, did you just curse? No. Earlier on when I dropped the net bomb, I just I'm thought of a thing. Oh, okay. All right, then. I just feel bad. So I don't want to – I just – I don't – like, I got angry on Twitter the other day, as I do. And I know this is becoming a thing, so just 
like let me just process out 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 loud. Okay, really. That's quick. what this show is for. Luke's therapy hour. Yeah, I don't know why people get so upset over that. By the way, that's literally what it's been about for the most part. <laughs> anyway, since 2015. Um. So there's this guy on Twitter, and I'm not gonna I'll say his name because honestly, I don't think he deserves it because he would love the attention. Ooh. And uh, it's just a sick burn to not say it. And he just says a bunch of stupid crap about the church that I'm just like, you're disgusting. Oh, you should dear. be ashamed okay. of yourself. Yeah. And uh, it's, just, it's just repulsive. But anyways. Um, Is he trying to be edgy? Yeah. And, like, he's trying to be like Father James Martin while being conservative. It's what it so, feels like. And you can't I, do I, that. You can't yeah, do it, that. It just, so it comes across as lukewarm. And I don't mean – I, I mean – um, perhaps like orthodox might be a better way to put it, or like I, I don't know, like like it's just. I mean, this guy will have a thirty-eight tweet, um, th- yeah. a thirty-eight tweet thread thing, which is just like absurd. So, anyways, and I, I, just, I surely have never done that. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, and so, um, I don't, I don't follow him, but it would like pop up on my feed, and he'd be like, stop. I don't want to see it. And it just like, it's like all of a sudden, just like, I'm just going, oh, da, 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 sports, sports, life, God, sports. And then it's just a thing, and I'm like, that's horrible. And so I saw this thing, and I just like kind of like lost it. And I was like, I can't, I can't do this. And then I saw this thing from the bishops and what was being, I'm just oh, saying, just like the Lord. state of the church. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't, like, I'm it, like, I feel like my heart is being destroyed, and I'm so fried that I'm just like I just want to lash out. And then the thing is that like when I like Twitter is a also it has this weird thing for me where it's like how I relieve myself from stress and find really really interesting things. And so like the stuff that I do to tend to like ease my mind is now just like emotionally exhausting because I can't go on the Reddit because it's just like a godforsaken hellhole. Like like the whole thing of Reddit is just it's just I can't do it anymore. And I'm feeling like I don't know every way that I cope is like a trigger now. And it's been really difficult to be honest with you. Every way that you cope has become a trigger. Yeah. So like all the things that I like to do to kind of like, hey, I'm gonna go on the Reddit, I'm going to learn about um like, I, you know, I like to go to different kinds of subreddits on, let's say, like, for a period of time when I was real, I was kind of, like, in, in, like, a men's fashion for, like, 2000 and, like 2012, 2013. Um, and I'm like, hey, I want to see, like, you know, I, I like, like, you know, I was trying to, like, dress on better and stuff. And that got kind of annoying. So then I would – and so, but my, like, when I go onto Reddit, the first thing I do is I go onto the main page to kind of decide from there which, which is one of the subreddits I want to go to. And everything now is, like, anti-Trump, how everyone who's against abortion is just the devil, how the majority – and, I, I mean, and again, we're anti-Trump here on this podcast for the most part. But it's just – you just see – like, it's very hard in this post-Christian world to find relief in extreme like secular stuff now because it's so uh, warped, yeah, and it just feels so anti everything that like we believe, and so uh, I I almost like don't know where to go. Like it's even in, like it's in sports, it's in every, all of the movies I watch. Like it's it feels like it's in everything now, and I don't mean just like this like pro gay stuff. Uh, that's not what I'm really I'm talking about here. I'm talking more. I mean that I, I think. Uh, oh, be careful, Luke. Um, 
sorry, I've been blabbing on for a bit here, so I'm going to try to wrap this up. Um, when I say pro-gay stuff, that's very that's very poor, like poorly worded. It's more attacks against the Christian understanding of uh, the point of um, our sexuality. So it's not like gay people are good. That bothers me. I agree with that. I think I everyone in, everyone in my life that I know who's gay are some of my favorite people. It's more the it's more in the name of LBGTQ pride. The attacks on the Christian understanding of the human person that I find to be exhausting now and the pro-abortion stuff and the it's just like so unbelievably dis disheartening and just to see certain Christians try to increase their statue as a thought leader like while trying to appeal to that it's just like I just while trying to appeal to that crowd or trying to um, just be edgy and not bear it's it's almost like I'm I'm and this is probably like my own fault but I feel like it's such a heavy cross that when I feel people try to push that cross a way in a public manner it infuriates me. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I agree with that. I agree that, with that. That's a long way to get to that point. <laughs> it so, was a it was a very long way, but Luke, we stopped. We got to smell some flowers. It was no. wonderful. Well, no, but, you but take all of that. That's kind of take, a heavy pro- uh, oops, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. You go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I was going to make a joke where I was going to say, you take all of that heaviness, and then you add the fact that Dark Phoenix exists, and then it's just, there's no reason. <laughs> but that's like, that's really difficult, though. Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. I, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be like, poor me. I'm trying to like process out loud, why does my life suck right now? You know, like, and I was, I was, I'm talking to Aaron about this um, last night. I just said, I'm just so tired. I'm so emotionally exhausted. And, like, I completely snapped on the person who runs the USCCB Twitter account. <laughs> Did you really? Because I just, like, I, I'm not going to go into it. It's, it's all on there. Um, and they actually appreciated, like, when I explained why. They're like, that makes sense. Thanks, Luke. I appreciate that. And, and it, it wasn't them. But it's just this whole um, the effing you stay because it's the bride of Christ thing. Yeah, it's like so they said. Why do you stay, young adults? We we don't want to just hear why all these people have left. Why do you stay? And some of our Catching Foxes listeners were typing on that, like Brandon, and you're like, "What the f is this? You stay because it's the freaking bride of Christ, you morons." <laughs> yeah, kind of. It's 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 this <laughs> thing where it's like. And, I, and this is when I went on. I said, I said like, and so then today I just wanted to, un- and like, this is all being fueled by the Holtz, by the hungry. Like, I feel, I'm, I like, to be honest, I'm, I feel extremely lonely because I haven't been able to, like, be in the same bed as my wife for the most part for the past two weeks. And that's been really difficult. Um, and so there's this, like, again, all the Holtz are going on right now. All, all of the them. hungry, angry, lonely, tired, slash yeah. sexually frustrated. Yeah, it's all going on right, right now. And, there's this thing I think within the American church where we like just kind of ignore the or we don't come from a place of the of the divine roots of the church, and so we provide these human answers for these profound for these profound issues, which like then makes the church not be the church because she's supposed to be she's supposed to be like rooted in the divine life of Christ. Yeah. And then she ceases to be who she is. So when you say like, "Why do you stay?" It's like because Father Mike Schmitz is cool. It's like no, it's not why. Like that's a that's a bonus. That's that's fun. That's cool. But it's not why we're here. And it it feels so it like it feels so offensive. 
And that's why I went on that rant. <laughs> well, what feels so offensive about it, like, specifically? I, um, I think it's because it's ultimately a lie. Okay. That so you're, because, it's a lie that we're here because of Father Mike Schmitz. No, 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 no. That's not. No, I'm, I, I just always I'm used as the example because he's right. the new hotness. Um, I, 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 I just mean that. Um, and again, there's just like I believe that I'm Ratzinger does it much better than I. And I can't remember where, but he talks about when, like, when the church tries to like rebuild herself in her own image, she fails. Mm. And she falls apart because mm-hmm. she's not being who she is, which is the bride of which is the bride of Christ. When she seeks the face of Christ, and when she comes from a place in Him, and then from there goes out into the world to do stuff, that's when she's being who she is. And everything else is kind of a. I mean, these are like these are on the my words, not his. Yeah. Uh, it feels like it's kind of a lie because it's not really being who you are. Mm. You know, and I think that tweet, and I know the person didn't mean that he, he or she was, was just like, why do you stay? You know, like, what are the good, I mean, what they're really saying is like, what are the good things going on that you like? Yeah. But it's the phrasing of that that we hear over and over again from a lot of, of from a lot of um, major church leaders or, or just like the uh, bishops as a whole that I find to be emotionally exhausting. Mm-hmm. And I just, uh, my patience had worn pretty thin. If you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, slash sexually frustrated, halts, do you think the very first thing you should do is delete Twitter from your phone? I did it today. I Here's the thing. I don't know how to deal with this in a, in a healthy way uh-huh. because I'm too, like, uh, about a week and a half ago, I walked like eleven miles in one day. Took like th- took up to thirty thousand steps, and like, like I was doing a lot of crap, and I was a zombie the next day. And I I, I don't know how do I relax from that. Like when I feel so overwhelmed with all the stuff that I have to do, I don't really know. Like I'm, I'm talking like extreme because it's like. Because, like, what I did today was I just died into my work. Yeah. And that was really – but I was at a point on Monday where I was so fried, I couldn't even, like, do my work well. And so I came home. I was like, Aaron, I don't know what else to do besides watch John Mulaney and an episode of Dexter. <laughs> like, I just – I don't know what to do. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I guess what I'm trying to say is – when I reach this point of just exhaustion and, like, work overload, I don't know how to cope with that. Yeah. So, okay, so this raises a really good point. So on Monday, I'm talking with uh, the Exodus 90 guys over breakfast. We meet every Monday. And uh, I tell them that I had one of the worst weeks of my entire life last week. Right. And it's still unfolding incredibly against all odds. It's still terrible. I mean, this is the, you sleep for four hours a night, and you wake up, and you want to puke. You go to bed, and you want to puke, and it's not nice, and it's not good, and it's just a wretch, right? And uh, so I tell these guys, and they're like, what's going on? I was like, I can't tell you because it's other things, you know, blah, blah, blah. And um, I said to them, but this is why I'm grateful for Exodus 90, because I wasn't allowed to cope with anything except my wife and other people 
I wasn't allowed to do what I usually would have I would have called some guys and say, hey, can we go out for some beers? And I, I remember hearing a geneticist talk about how, like, people of northern, uh, north, northern European descent, so the Germanic and Irish and all that, like, because we're out of the sun more than we're in the sun, unlike the southern Europeans. Southern Europeans, their anxiety is at a two. They drink a glass of wine. It goes to a one. Yeah, it was cut in half, but it never was a big deal in the first place. Irishmen are like at a nine. They drink a beer and it drops to a five. And all of a sudden, it's a life-changing experience. And if you consume alcohol when you're a teenager and you're dealing with stress, the reality is it's all, it is so difficult and you need hypervigilance for the rest of your adult life to not use alcohol to cope with emotional stress. And so I'm looking at these guys and, and I'm like, I had a terrible, terrible week. Not like what your week was. Yours was a different kind of, different kind of suck, but mine was intensely emotional and ephemeral. The feelings of people and all these things kind of going around that can't be solved by my clever wordsmithing. And you just have to sit in it and hope it gets better. And there's nothing you can do to intervene. You might, you'll probably just make it worse. Um, you do all the things that you can do to uphold what you, you know, you're trying to do everything right, but you still know you can't immediately resolve, right? You just have to hang on the cross there. And my big thing with that was like, I wanted to eat. I wanted to drink. Uh, you know, I wanted to veg out and watch TV. Like that's, those are the things that were pulling me. And I caught myself, you know, I do, I, I watch a lot of YouTube stuff and within Excess 90, you're not supposed to do that. So I uh, had to force myself to do educational things. So I signed up for Khan Academy, a parent account, and then I began watching stuff on investing and compound interest, <laughs> things that I don't want to know the math of. I just want to get rich. Anywho. Um, and it's all this stuff that kind of went around it that... Um, Every night I'm sitting down in front of my wife and I'm having conversations with her about how awful it is or about anything other than it. Or I'm reading a book. I have a, a fiction book, a science fiction book called Hell Divers that I got from the library. And I'm just reading that and reading investment books. And I'm like, I'm going to take all my anxious energy and dump it. I, I walked like two and a half miles in 98 degree heat just to burn off the anxiety. I took a sick day. Like I'm doing all this stuff to combat the anxiety and I, I'm sitting with those men. I said, this is exactly what I do. I turn to everything else that destroys me in order to cope. And this is the first time in my life where I've not been allowed to do that, and I actually followed through. Like, if someone slapped a juicy steak in front of me and it was a Friday in Lent, if this was Gomer three years ago, I would have been like, you know what? I've had a really tough day. I've earned it. And it, uh, and I just, it's just fascinating the things you learn about yourself. That's all. That's all. Um, like, you know, some people learn new things. I learned, for instance, that the women's soccer team scored 13 goals against Thailand in the world cup and the oh, U S men's national team has scored 13 goals in the last, uh, 379 days. <laughs> Wait, is it? No, that's not, is that fact yep. actually true? Yep. How'd you hear that? Uh, well, right now I'm looking at ESPN W. How the heck did you know a thing about the U S men's national team that I did not Oh, I have an answer for this, Luke. I have an honest-to-goodness answer. Yeah. Uh, research. And I nerd out about things at various times. <laughs> they, that is as many. Now, that's not necessarily a fair stat. 
because they were playing Thailand, but uh, holy crap Well, I mean, Luke, the U.S. men's team was knocked out of the World Cup qualifying by Trinidad, so... How did you know this? Because it was a (laughs) subtweet from, I played with a cat (laughs) on Twitter. Did you hear me? I mean, you've heard me talk about this before, and you never paid attention. Man, the, as 379 days. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, there's a lot of people very up, very up. So the big debate about that is should they have scored that many goals and should they have celebrated the way that they did? Very divisive. Uh, yeah, no, I... Please have this conversation. I want to have this conversation so badly. Okay, I, I think you should destroy the other team. I agree. I think anything I think like that... I think you should, yeah. to the best of your ability, play... And if you do a gentleman's, you know, thing, like, oh, I mean, okay. But I get there. So here are two main reasons why I think you want to, to score that high. And if not, try to score more. One is the thing called gold, gold differential. So they're trying to get out of their. So each team in the, in the group plays the other team once. Top two teams advance. The higher seeded team, the team with the, with the most points, they advance. They play the weaker team in the knockout rounds. Yeah, and if they're tied, the team with the highest goal differential. So that is how they count the amount of goals that you scored against the amount of goals that were scored against you. They get the they get the higher seed. That's the first tiebreaker. And then there's also the fact that you want to scare the crap out of the other teams. You want to send a message that we will destroy you. That you should be terrified to play us. And that's what they did, and I, and I loved it. I thought it was, and I like this is the highest competition in that sport, and it is no place for mercy. <laughs> but I could understand if you're playing the game and you send out your third stringers, bench warmers, to go out and get some time on the field. Okay, like you're already up by ten goals, you know, whatever. But they destroyed them. It was thirteen zero, I believe. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was three to nothing at half. They scored ten goals in the second half. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, that's insane. and that's awesome. Well done, U.S. Women's National Team. Bam! Yeah. I saw the men's team play over the weekend, and they lost three to nothing. Who did they play? Venezuela. They didn't play the. Let me see. FC Dallas under fifteen boys team. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? What? Are you, how is this happening? <laughs> It's very weird how much I relate to John Mulaney. Yeah, I don't. I don't even think he's funny. Really? I. 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 Okay, I shouldn't say that. Really? That's an overstatement. But I remember one. I think maybe it was his second major one. He came out and everyone's going nuts. The theater is packed, and I'm like, "Oh, this guy must be famous. He's packing the Apollo or whatever." And then I'm watching. I didn't laugh once for 30 minutes, and I was like, "And I'm done." Really? Yeah. That surprises me. Because I feel like. I mean, his point of view is very. I mean, it's not. It's it's not a lot unlike ours, but it's things we can relate to. Yeah, no. I mean, I I just don't think he's funny. I, I totally disagree, but I'm not going to hold that against you. <laughs> Luke, if I told you that you had a nice body, would you hold it against me? Oh, I'd I'd welcome with open. I need to be affirmed right now. I'll be real honest here. You need to be affirmed. Yeah, Luke, you have a beautiful body. Very affirmed. Uh, going back to your point about like like I don't I, I think it's a really good thing about like you're learning how to cope with 
I'm, 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 not trying, I'm not trying to say that like my stress is more intense than yours. Um, that's not the argument that I'm trying to make here because I think like e- emotional stress is is incredibly difficult. Um, I don't know how to cope when like like my body's exhausted. Yeah, and that's when I tend to want to just do stuff that's just kind of like. Um, that's when I find I'm on Reddit and interesting things on Twitter to be the most enjoyable. And perhaps I, I like I actually had this thought today that the majority of my hobbies involve a screen. Yeah. So whether it just be movies or TV, and, and I I would like to fancy myself as a person who enjoys good movies. You know, like for example, I'm very I'm very um, excited to go see the Last Black Man in um, in San Francisco, which is a film that I just sounds so interesting. Um, like things like that, but I'm like, man, what else could I do that doesn't involve a screen? And so trying to figure that out. I mean, that's right behind why I did woodworking is I needed to do something that got me outside that made me create something physical that existed in the world and that I could do along with my kids if they wanted to do it with me. And, uh, it's something that like, okay, so for instance, dealing with all my stress, my wife is like, I have removed things from the garage. I want you to do woodworking on Saturday. You haven't done it in months. And it was true. I, well, I shouldn't say months, plural, probably about a month. I hadn't done anything in that regards. And so I was like, oh, dang, you're right. I haven't. So I just have leftover pieces, and I had built a frame for a table that I screwed into the wall. And then once I started using it, it knocked all the pictures off the wall on the other side. So I was like, oh, can't do that. So then I just got um, enough legs, and I attached them to the frame, and then I put it on the top. Had to do some other stuff. And so I built a basically just a work table um, in my garage. And then our buddy John, uh, who's listening to the show right now, John, he built Hello, a John. huge, he built a uh, like an I eight saw. foot table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was so awesome because me and him were talking about it. And it was because when me and you were over at his house, I put on those Oculus Rift headset and just watched YouTube videos of woodworking. And he's like, what, are you being serious right now? And then he got so into it. So he built, and it looks fantastic what he built so um i i now have one done in my garage i built a shelf onto it it's a crappy shelf don't tell anyone and uh i have that done and so it's just fun and so i built a little stand i might put my computer stuff on it or whatever i just it's just uh a physical doodad thing that my hands are doing you know it's not a fake thing that other people are force feeding my attention right Mm. Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. You know, do you ever think about that? Like the majority of our economy is based on your attention span now. Like drawing oh, yeah. your attention, the attention economy all the time, yeah, all the and, time. And one I think of them it's insanely dangerous. Yeah, and so like this guy was talking about, you know, there's a delivery pizza um, ad on your hotel key card, so that's the last thing you see when you enter in your hotel room with no food. Your right? ways, like on a oh, ways when you're trying to get directions, has ads and stuff. Oh, my gosh. When I saw an ad pop up, I was like, I will pay whatever money so this danger to driving doesn't pop up anymore. Yeah. I was like, that took out a third of my screen. Who you know, you know, does like, that? This is like our economy is so effing effed. Um, that's, a, a, that's a lot of a lot of, a lot of letters. I am trying to not curse so we can have Father Dave Ivanka on the show. <laughs> um, uh Oh, God bless America. I uh, Hey, on my road to fire, you know what happened? Oh, God, what now? I just read some more books. Oh, good. 
I'm like, I'm like so happy that you're going through the. Here's the reason why I always get a little bit um nervous when you have a new kick. Yeah. Because there's like you're an evangelist at heart. You love to share with people the things that you know to be very important. Yes. Like you are a lay evangelist in every sense of the word. And it's not just about our Lord and Savior, God, God of, of the universe. You like like you know, like ultimate ultimate who creates all we're familiar Everything. with God on this podcast. Go on. <laughs> it's like you're an <laughs> Apple evangelist. You are you are a Marvel evangelist. I mean, you're the guy at like a party who one time was trying to tell people this is why we need to get kids to read more in youth, in youth ministry. And I was like, what a nerd. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, but that you get really excited about these like yes. about stuff that like always makes. I'm going to speak for all, all of our all of our friends, and this is not an insult. A bit uncomfortable because it's like a thing that like demands a change out of us, or we'd have to like <laughs> we have to like look inwards. Like, do you remember when you were trying to, like you used to be on such a huge Dave Ramsey kick? Yeah, and it's yeah. like if you weren't doing Dave Ramsey, you were a dumbass who was who deserved internal you know anguish. Um, I never like in in my evangelizing of Dave Ramsey, I never. May I never intentionally made people feel stupid for what they were doing. Intentional is the key word there. Yes, you always <laughs> lead with enthusiasm. But let's be honest, if you're doing nothing but racking up consumer debt, you're doing life wrong. <laughs> and so like so this is a very I'm long way of saying whenever you get excited about stuff, <laughs> it's great. Unless it's stuff that like maybe I don't want to do. Or I'm like, I'm not necessarily in the same position that you're in or like I don't have this concern or I just don't want to live. A, I don't want to live my life like like that. And that's kind of how I feel about the fire stuff. Like yeah. I was on board with, you know, the majority of the, you know, Dave Ramsey stuff. And I wish I had maybe dived into it a bit more, but I did. And now we're fine. Um, <laughs> but with this fire thing, I'm a little bit like, oh, when are you going to sit me down and, ha- and like have this talk? Yeah, but here's the okay. Let me throw out the best reasons about me as an evangelist. Okay, and I, 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 I 100% agree with your assessment. I can be a bit exhausting. <laughs> no, no, that, that's not that's not unnecessarily what I'm trying to say. Uh, let's not forget my anti-war days. Oh yeah, yeah, that yes, was yes. exhausting. I exhausted myself then. I was like, wow, I can manage to turn every conversation into why the U.S. should remove troops from Iraq. I need to take a break. (laughs) (laughs) I need to just take a break and not visit the websites for a while. Um, Go Ron Paul. But um, no, I I understand that. But the the one thing that saves me is in in my head with all of these things, uh, or I should say a couple things. Number one, they're generally good. They generally are like spotlights on areas that yes, most people agreed. don't like finances. Oh my God! Uh, you get your student loans. You go to school. You take the next twenty years to pay them off. You rack up credit card debt. You get a car loan, a mortgage, and then you're dead. Right? Like that's the path of most people. Most Americans don't have more than like a thousand dollars saved or four hundred dollars saved. So when I experienced Dave Ramsey, it was. I was in student loan debt. I was doing this, and I was like, I got to get out now. I don't felt like there was a dep- – when I was gazelle-like intense, I don't think there was depravity in my life. Like, oh, I can't do anything here. But it just pointed out a lot of stupid things that I was unconscious of. And so 
that's that aligns with what you're saying. But the other thing that I think I have going for me is that I'm not selling anything. So it is purely motivated from like, hey, come look at this new thing I just found. It's not a come look at this new thing I just found and pay me nineteen ninety five a month for the next twenty six months and you can have this new thing too. You know what I mean? Like I it's not there aren't strings attached other than what I think is the truth and the beauty and the goodness of fire. No. Yes, but there is this I think where it gets to be like like where at least the I wouldn't I mean tension's the wrong word, but for lack of a better word, let's just like use that word. Okay. Um I don't feel the need to do it. Or right. like, I don't have this like concern about how are we going to retire. Um and so like we I'm not saying that we necessarily have this like foolproof plan that we're doing right now, but I don't necessarily I also don't feel the need to do this drastic plan either. Um and there um, so anyways. I mean I um what am I, what are you trying to say here, Luke? That I'm glad that you're all about this. I think it's cool. I think it's very interesting. But where I'm always a little bit I'm nervous about is like when's he gonna try to get me to do it? When's he gonna try to get me to do it? Listen, man, you live your life. Poorly. <laughs> and I mean that in every sense of the word. No. No, I think I think part of you know, it's funny with money, and I don't know what it was like with your family, but we never talked about money ever, ever, ever. Ever, ever, ever. I remember one time as a little kid I asked my dad, Daddy, what do you well, how much money do you make? And he goes, Thousands upon thousands. That's all he would say. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what that means. So then one day before you know, I was in college. I literally went into his briefcase to see his pay stub. Like, I, he had said something about having a pay stub or whatever, like, and I was like, I have to see what this says. And so I just looked at the monthly payment or the, the I think he got paid every two weeks. And I just, you know, multiplied and figured out what he made in a year. And I was like, whoa, that's so much money. Whoa. Wasn't even six figures. So, you know, when you're in your 20s and it's like, this is, four times what it costs to go to college or three times, you know, everything was huge. And then, uh, when I realized that I could make that much money in my thirties, what he made in his seventies or sixties, I should say like that. And I, and I had nothing to show for it. I had no savings. I had, I still had student loan debt. I realized like there's a lot of baggage that I carry with me. Like, uh, my, mm-hmm. my parents were big in consumer debt. Like, they had just tons of credit cards. Tons. And you, there was nothing to show for it. I mean, I had some new soccer cleats. I had new... I always had clothes. But there was nothing there that really was a lasting thing. Like, oh, that's, you know. And mm-hmm. so I don't want that from my life now. And Shannon, Shannon's always like, she's just naturally... I shouldn't say that. She is a planner, and when she plans with money, she becomes very frugal. But I think in, in certain ways, when she became a young adult, like, that was part of her struggle, was like, what do I do with this money now that I have so much of? And, you know, mm-hmm. for us, it's all a relative term. Yeah, sure, sure. But I don't know. I mean, did you, did you t- ever talk about money outside of writing checks and, yes. you know, yes. with your folks? Yes. See, this is, uh, parents were awesome. Huh? I said, see, this is where your parents were awesome. Yeah, no, they actually, it was, uh, um, my dad was probably a little bit too forthright with our lack thereof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never want kids to feel like, 
because we'll just blame ourselves, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So there was I'm definitely costing them so much money. Yeah, yeah. There was just like, okay, we can't afford to do this, can't afford to do. You know, I definitely had the talk of like, we don't have money like this, so you can't be, you know, whatever. And I, I get it. Um. And I think my mom did a, like a pretty good job. Like, like I think that my mom, uh, she's probably going to be listening to this out in France. By the way, she's having a great time out out in France Ooh. at Aunt Dee's house out in France. Um, nice. My mom, this is so funny. Uh, she, I don't know if she'd be mad about this or not, but so I should probably be a little bit careful. Uh, Luke, don't be careful. Put the envelope. <laughs> I it's think just she, like Twitter. <laughs> I think she always felt like we didn't like really like have a lot, and so she was always kind of acting like we don't really have a lot. And then, like when I hear like how much she brings in a year, I'm like, Mom, you're fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I, 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 I think there's just this like mentality. I think of just you know of having three kids, of not having a lot of money, of having a spouse who you know like is like disabled. That like it just can be kind of hard, and it can be kind of scary at times, and. Um, now, your father was rendered disabled on the job, right? Yes, yes. And so, so did he get disability or work yes, comp or any of that? Yes, yes. And My did entire, that help? I mean, was that? Yes, very, very much so. Very, very much. It, it would have, uh, there was a stretch of about, uh, maybe about 12 months, maybe a little bit less than that, where we did not have that, and it was absolutely awful. Ugh. Absolutely awful. That's That was a time period where I think I may have brought this up on the podcast when we first started. I drove past where we lived when that happened, and I played a song from that time period just because it like hadn't changed at all. I mean, it was it was like it was nineteen ninety five there, and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. I'm gonna like play a song like it's because I had I was going to a I'm meeting right by it. Just a girl it. living in so I played "Kiss by a Rose" by Seal. Oh my god, that was what was popular at that point in time. I mean, this is, I just wanted That's to see so like funny. what that would feel like because I, I was like, I can kind of go back in time, and I did, and I started sobbing. Like these emotions Whoa. of the stress, of, yeah, of it. I, it was really fucked up. Like I don't like it was. I wish I had not done that. What What and, was so crazy? Um. So my dad was conv- my dad and and a mom decided that my dad's health seemed to be doing kind kind of better. So and he had a friend who was starting this like business, and he convinced my dad to go off of a workman's comp oh, and God. to like be a part of like this business and it just ended up not going well they almost got bought out by a guy i don't like dallas like i think they kind of wish they had and then it kind of plummeted after that and i don't i'm sure there's stuff that maybe my dad did that wasn't so you know i I don't know i'm not like illegal just like um business wise like because like my dad was super organized my dad would have been a great like if my dad had had like completed school I think he would have been a really good uh, chief uh, chief financial officer. He was very organized. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if that's shit. I mean, he was just very – or probably a good, like, COO or something. Like, just really good at, like, um, organizing stuff. It was kind of insane, actually. So I got none of that. Um, and so – and then it was so, like, we had to move. We, so the house we were on renting at that point in time, the, it was this, a woman across the street who converted to Catholicism, and, like, she wanted to rent her house to us. And my family's like, okay, like, that sounds cool. Like, this is a really a nice house. It's a little bit bigger than the, than the house that we were in. Like, let's go and do that. And, just, and because of my dad's, like, financial stuff, it was just much easier for us to rent. Yeah. Um, and I, think, I totally think that was always the right call. So we moved across, we, we, so like in the fall, uh, sorry, over, over 
the summer of 94, we moved. Yeah, in the summer of um, summer of um, 94. And then we, like, got kicked out of the house in the spring of 95. She was just, like, not in a, she was just like, hey, I am feel called to, like, I need to sell the house. And these guys are going to buy it. And you guys have to, and you guys, like, have to leave. Wow. Which is. Which is the risk of when you rent. Like, yeah. that's kind yeah. of the risk. But, like, my parents would, like, rent from people who wanted to, like, they own property that was meant to be rented. Yeah. In that sense. It was always, like, kind of like, you know, so if it was always, like, a duplex or a thing like that, that, like, yeah. that's clearly, you know, and they were fine. They were nice houses. It just, it was a duplex, you know. It Is your been, house with the basement that time forgot that we lost hours and hours playing pod racer and drinking Coke? Was that... A rental house? No, they owned that house. Okay. So, um, and so this like so like this like woman just decided for whatever reason she wanted to sell the house, and, and I remember like my I I remember being old enough to understand that my parents were feeling they felt screwed. Yeah. And they and it was just and so they and like so and you also have to have to understand that where I went to school, this was when I was the end of. Um, the end of the end of my sixth grade year, which is when like you go from the from the elementary school to the junior high slash high school, so I was basically like pulled out of school at the beginning of the fourth quarter, at the end of my last year at the elementary school, which is somewhat I wouldn't say traumatic, but difficult. Yeah, because you're I was finally kind of coming into like my own I think and had a lot of friends and was like really happy about life. And everything was like cool and exciting, and then all of a sudden I get put into a school where I don't know anyone, and there's nine weeks of school left. Yeah, yeah. you know, and so it just. How far was, was the old school from you? Um, probably like ten to ten to fifteen minutes of like a car. I'm really just right down the street. Um, like you just go on to Dor- like on to Dorothy Lane, you know, take like a left, and just go straight. Then you take a right. Ten minutes later, and you know you're at you're at our condo where we were, but. When you're 12, when you're like 10 or 11, that's pretty far. Yeah. You know, and I would go to my friend's house and stuff, but, you know, and I remember going, but it was just tough, man. And it was really, and I think, so that year, that was like a really bad year. My dad almost died. He got food, yeah, he got food poisoning, uh, and his body like shut down, and and they called my mom, were like, his liver's failing, like, you need to get here now. Ugh, what yeah. happened? Um, they How think, did he pull out of it? I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember. I, I just remember him being incredibly sick and, like, just cold. He was very, very cold. He just looked terrible. I mean, absolutely terrible. And so, yeah, that was actually a really, like, I should probably go to counseling and process that year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it was, because I was just the right age to understand, like, hey, you know, this is tough. And I think, and so my dad, like, had to quit the business. I mean, like, the business, like, it fell apart. Um, and so we were basically without income, and my mom's a teacher. Yeah. You know, and so we were, like, uh, it was tough. And I, I don't, I want to respect my mom and not go too specific about this stuff. So, but it was just very clear to me that we were in a very bad spot. Um, And so... Uh yeah man, I don't know where I'm going. It was and then we moved back to Oakwood like almost like a year to the day, 
we moved back uh, to Oakwood. And so, which was actually in itself then very, very hard because it, in a weird way, um, like kids, when they go into junior high, become like kind of not good and kind of terrible. <laughs> and I was kind I was trying to rationalize all this in my head. Like, why was God allowing this to happen? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've you know, and I, I was very alone for the, uh, that year a lot because it just was like, you know, I lived in a, you know, we lived in a condominium complex. There weren't a lot of uh, dudes my age there. And, <laughs> and like, those that were <laughs> shady as hell. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like, I remember there's this girl who was like a year older than me. She, like, smoked cigarettes, and I was, like, so scandalized by that. Like, yeah. so I was just like, oh, you what? And um, uh, uh, oh, don't get my perm on fire. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> everyone's gonna love that. And uh, you know, like I remember being in uh, being in my math class, and the kid and the guy, this guy and this girl behind me talking about the girl having oral sex with this guy, and just being horrified by it. Yeah. And I, I think that my adolescent development was probably a little bit stunted, or or I was just like super innocent. Yeah, you know, and just like a good person. So, sorry, you go ahead. I've yeah, been blabbing. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, so, one of the things that you that is interesting about this is I'm watching the way my anxieties become my kids' anxieties. Mm-hmm. They're not the same because kids don't understand anything. They don't understand the value of a dollar. They don't even know what quarters mean. Like, you give them four quarters, they're like, "Oh my gosh!" I was like, "Yeah, but I'll give you five dimes." They're like, "Oh, okay, that's awesome." Um, and so it's interesting how my anxiety about money gets passed on to my kids and what they worry about. So for instance, um, we're about to go to Cove Crest. We're doing some stuff. And Kateri is like, no, daddy, I I don't want to buy this. I don't want to buy this. And it's something, I I don't even know what it was, a new bathing suit. I don't know. Something that costs maybe $10. And she's like, it's too much money. We can't be spending all this money. We don't have enough. There's not enough money. Don't you understand? And I was like, what in the heck? Where are you getting this? Of course, there's only one place where she's getting this. Nervous Nelly, Michael Gormley, right? And so I'm like, what? No, honey, this is nothing. You know, but they don't understand that. All they understand is daddy's actually freaking out about $4,000 I have to spend on my minivan. Mm -hmm. I'm not freaking out about a $10 item. But to them, it's all the same. There's no difference. And my the the funny thing is i actually wasn't all that upset about the thousands of dollars because i have that saved and paid it in cash right like all my gigs 30% goes to a savings mm-hmm. account or 40% goes to a savings account 20% goes off the tax land and then the rest is just savings and i have been able to just save and by doing that and paying that off like yeah, it sucked, especially because I could have paid off a substantial amount of my wife's student loan debt. Um, but it wasn't what it was five years ago, which is where I would have been ripping out my hair. Me and Shannon probably would have gotten in a fight over something totally unrelated because I would embody that stress. And I know that I'm communicating that to my kids in weird ways. And it's, it's interesting to hear you at the most financially stressful time in your family's life became this moment that is that literally caught once you play kiss from a rose on the gray you begin sobbing 
which no one should ever sob during that song. <laughs> during you should just yeah. kiss gently your lover's closed eyelids and in you know while holding a rose during snow. Um, I just imagine that that's like a sweet thing. Is that a weird thing? I'm like, <laughs> no. don't use your tongue <laughs> on those eyelids. That'd be weird. But just gentle. La da 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 da. Ooh, the strangers. Okay, that is. Uh, it's you know in a weird way. I think I wanted to like do that. I wanted to go back there to like to face that. You as know, an adult, as an adult with mental and emotional resources, <laughs> turns yeah. out you don't have those. <laughs> no, apparently not. I it's should just, have grown. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I honestly thought that God um wanted me to move away from Oakwood so I wouldn't become some like I'm a drunken idiot. Like, that's how I yeah. rationalized it in my head when I was in high school. Like, God must have wanted me to go through that painful time period. Of course, I made it all about myself because I was a, you know, right. douchebag. What? You, you t- <laughs> Never mind. Hmm. Go on. <laughs> Say it. Say it. You, you totally Taylor Marshall that one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. It's I I think like I found that when the more like with um I'm gonna try to kill two birds with one stone here. Aaron and I have found that we are at our best when we face stuff together. So no hiding anything. Like if I'm I mean we're we're very very blessed patreon.com slash cf patreon.com slash cf to be in a position now where like we don't have to worry about about like oh money too much right now. You know, and I'm very I'm grateful for that after having not been in that position for the majority of my life. Um, to try to like handle all like all of our all of our own money issues head on, and while also understanding that's a big like source of tension within our, within our marriage because of at least for me like the fears that I have from growing up without. Yeah. Or like feeling like you know, and I and I like it's it's very weird. I really I've never felt like I was um, like we were fine. We had everything we ever could have wanted and more. Uh, it I was just I think this is probably more because of my dad's 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 because of my dad's disability. I was aware of how things were different for yeah. us. Yeah, and the and the constraints that that you know that were there. Be- because of that, and it's very interesting as an adult how you deal with that. Like some people may not have to deal with stuff from their childhood. Some people do. Some people are, but they just don't know it. Yeah, yeah. It, it is the tenuous and scary relationship my parents had with money. Um, I, I think one of the reasons why I get all evangelistic about Dave Ramsey is because there is a plan. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there never was a yeah. plan. Yeah, but the money was this thing. You made it, and you spent it, and you tried to keep some for the big things that you don't know what are gonna, you know, get you in the end. And for my parents, my parents literally gave, you know, would get huge refunds, which means they weren't optimizing their taxes every year. They would get these huge refunds, and my mom just told me, like, well, you know, your father and I aren't gonna save. So, like, we asked the government to take our money away from us so that we don't. So, for 11 months out of the year, we can't touch it. So, they viewed their income tax refund like a, a bonus. And it would be, and, mm-hmm. and not all the time. I mean, they would use it for big things like putting a new roof on the house or whatever. But 
We're, I mean, I'm talking like $10,000. You know, this is a oh wow, that's a lot. A, a significant amount of money. Um, and then my dad would get a yearly bonus, and that, but it's all earmarked. It's gone, boom. And for me, I never had a plan. Like my twenties came and went, and I had nothing to show for it other than you know, in bigger waistline from the party bar. Which you know, I'm not really complaining. That was awesome. No regrets. Hashtag no regrets. Um, but so, you know what I mean? Like, and so there was a plan that made sense that combated a lot of the stupid that I was guilty of. You know, like I bought a brand new car when I had, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars when I had no business buying a brand new car. I had no money, but I could afford the monthly payments sort of. But then that meant I had to stay in all the jobs and make all the decisions to keep that life, that decision going. You know what I mean? And then I sold my car to my parents um, because now it was no longer used. It was like three, four years old, and it was almost paid off. And my parents were like, well, we want a bigger car. And I was like, I'll sell you my car. We're going down to a one-car family. And it was just so fascinating that, like, having a plan makes sense. Now, of course, the whole FIRE thing, financially independent, retire early, their whole thing is, like, live on 50% of your income, save the rest, and invest, right? Because you'll hit a point in 10 to 20 years where you can retire, and it doesn't matter how much money. Like you can just live on the excesses that the stock market brings. And I, I find that so fascinating, not necessarily because I want to retire early, but because I see how many of my decisions have bound me to a way of life and a place in life because of unthinking financial decisions, right? Hmm. You know what I mean? So, like... Mm-hmm. Buying a new car means I'm hemmed in on the monthly payments. The monthly payments are $350 a, a month, which means I have to make more than $350 a month in order to pay that off. Well, I'm also buying, I have a mortgage, I have a this, I have a that, I have a that, I got kids. So you're just adding up the expenses. And then the question is, when does that, when does that become the problem that you're literally working to pay off a lifestyle that isn't even making you happy? Like, when does that equation hit? So if I bought a $5,000 car instead of a $25,000 car, but it was a good car and it's going to last me five years, no problem, and I'm not going to have any payments, and I'm not going to, you know, I'll, I'll have more maintenance bills and higher costs of, you know, high viscosity, high mileage oil. But in the long run, you know what I'm doing is I'm not having payments every month. So I get more of my money in my pocket every month. So if I needed to walk away from a dangerous financial situation, like a job that had become abusive, I couldn't imagine yeah. that ever happening. But if that ever were to happen. <laughs> Not working for this institution. Yeah, right. Uh, if that ever were to happen, then that gives me the freedom to walk away. But, I mean, like, there was some survey. It was like 73% of U.S. workers say they're in a job that they hate, but they're stuck. Like, they use the word stuck. And that is, that's the idea of the fire movement that appeals to me. It's not just because it's like Dave Ramsey on on speed right like save 10 percent or six month savings why not 50 percent of your income and blah 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 it's not that there's a game that's kind of fun when like you deal with the frugality and all this other stuff but the the real thing is it's like it, it's the things that don't matter that the little things that you don't even think about that end up imprisoning you like i cut 300 dollars out of my monthly expenses of kind of like stuff that i didn't know i was spending money on you know it's like okay so my wife and kids have a YMCA thing. I never go to the YMCA. She works out there. I don't. So 
but I was paying $20 a month for the last year and a half for that. So it's like, okay, cut that. You know, we're about to ditch Netflix because of all the craziness. Like, okay, that's $9. It doesn't really matter, like these little nickel and dime things. But after a while, you're like, I was just really consuming this for the sake of consuming. I don't need any of this. And the whole Exodus 90, I guess, was good because it was like, really, Gormley, you're happy with YouTube. Like, you don't need, you don't even need all the channels you have in your Apple TV. Like, you're fine with YouTube. That like, actually is the interesting one. That's one of the interesting um, aspects. Because, like, we kind of um, went through that when we were trying um, to save up to put a down payment on the house. Like, do we really need, like, for, I mean, we went hardcore at first. And it's like, you know, we kind of don't um, need Hulu. We don't, you know, we can like keep Netflix and we'll get and we'll um, have HBO for three months because why would we? We, I mean, Game of Thrones is good, right? Right. Um, right. Tell me, I'm ready. Right. right. Oh, gosh. Uh, oh, God. But like being able to see what you really don't need, like what, like what do you really, really um, need to exist? Right. Right. So once you say, I mean, like today, it's like I need food, I need shelter, I need a job, and I need transportation. And it's like, well, I mean, yeah, but I also need a ton of books. <laughs> you know, and it's like, okay, well, that's why they Jesus invented a library. A library. So, yeah. so, so, okay, so let me just show you like some of the expenses that I would do. And I don't want to make this all about this, but it's just fun. Like that's like it, it's funny. It's like okay, we need to save ten thousand dollars to put down a deposit for a house. And then you start cutting back everything, and you live that way for a year, and you put that $10,000 in, and then you get the house, and it's like, well, why do we have to then say, okay, now we don't have to live that frugally. We can just ramp up our lifestyle to meet the fact that now we have an extra $10,000 in a year. Mm-hmm. And it, the, the whole fire thing says don't ramp up your lifestyle. Just take all that money and save it and invest it and save it and invest it, and then you're good. You're done. You don't have that's, to worry about anything else. That's pretty much how everyone in Idaho lives. What do you, What do you mean? Like the amount of money that how I have never seen frugality mm. that way before in my life. It was actually very refreshing. Yeah, the majority of people don't have incredibly nice like furniture. I mean, some of was almost like I was like, perhaps we can color coordinate just a bit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but like they're just like no one gives a crap about your car. Because right. you're driving down dirt roads half the time, so there's dust on your call on your car all year long, and so like it just it's a totally different mindset, and so there's this thing of like and they're and people just like save out the wazoo, and I mean it, it, like kids will pay for their college by doing like uh, all of the 4-H stuff, and they'll have twenty to thirty thousand dollars in the bank, and they'll be able to pay for school, and they'll yeah. go to a, a, a local state school. Where they, you know, that's, and they'll live very cheaply and they'll continue to do so. And there are more, I'm like, millionaires in Idaho County per capita. The, the only place that actually has more is where all the Microsoft people live out in the, this is in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. So um, it's freeing. Like, to, I mean, to, to be around that for two years was incredibly freeing. So there is something to that, man. Uh, and I think it's freeing because you're, they aren't – because of the culture, like you said. Like I, I just think of the yeah. funny thing, like yeah. a culture of a dirt road. Like everyone's going to be on a dirt road. Your BMW is not going to matter to anyone, right? No. So yeah. just no, because no, 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 you yeah. have a, a brand-new BMW, it's going to get covered in dirt. So why even bother? 
So their culture removes those things, just the facts of life, right? Like mm-hmm. it removes those things. So you're not keeping up and playing and keeping score with anyone based on that, right? And I think that's so fascinating to me because when I was in, you know, I mean, we joked the last episode, like I was into sport trucks and I was trying to save money to dump thousands of dollars into a old crappy Chevy S10 pickup. How stupid would that have been? But I was desperate to have a car that made people want to like me. Mm-hmm. You know, like in high school, for I was a car guy. It was the car. And I lived through all of my friends who had cool cars. And we would talk about it and be like, what do you do to your car, Gorman? And I was like, I armor all the dash. You know, like that's all I had, right? But the, the, once those things are like removed, so this is the importance of a community that holds these things by my book. Uh, the community that, like, if you live in a frugal community, you're going to be weird if you're not frugal. You know, and I, so I think about, like, um, you remember the Brave New World? They had these little sayings that they would memorize and repeat. And it, one of them was, why or don't mend when you can spend. So it's like, oh, you have a tear in your clothes, just throw it away and yeah, go yeah. buy new ones. And if you were to think that way 100 years ago, you would be insane. Well, it has a little tear. Clothes get tears all the time. You just sew it up. It's like, I don't know how to sew. I'm going to get new pants. Oh, my gosh, that's going to cost you so much money. Now I'm going to get at Walmart. It Literally, they're made to be ripped, and they cost five cents. So I'm mm-hmm. just going to go pant, pant, pant. You know, like, and, it, and that is stuff to me about the whole fire thing. Because the whole fire thing isn't ultimately about money. At least it's about like life. You optimize your life to amplify those things that actually make you happy. At least that's the rhetoric. That's right. So this guy tells his wife, he really, he becomes obsessed with Dave Ramsey and then he becomes obsessed with fire. And he's like, I want you to be as obsessed. And she doesn't even care. She doesn't care. They're spending $200,000 a year and they make 160. Like they're just plowing through all this stuff. And then, he, and so she's sending her articles to try to get her clued in. And so she reads them, and she's like, okay, I see why this is appealing to you. And then he says, write down the 10 things that make you happy. And out of the 10 things, um, they lived in Coronado, which is right in San Diego. Um, you know, it's all beach. One of them wasn't the beach, which is why they were paying this insane amount of money, you know, $600,000 a year for their apartment or whatever, um, or for their house. They were paying this insane amount of money, and she never mentioned the beach. And only two out of the ten things cost money, wine and chocolate. And he's like, we could have this top ten list multiplied by a thousand and and be debt-free and retired from our jobs in ten years. And so that's what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like, it's stuff like that. It's like we've imprisoned ourselves on this beautiful island because we thought this would make us happy. But when I'm writing down these 10 things, the island is not at all on the top 10 list. What is wrong? What happened to us that we did these decisions? And I started thinking about, like, I need a bigger house. I need a bigger this. I need a bigger that. But here's the thing that I noticed with my wife. She's more stressed out having to manage. Because here's the thing. If you have a big house, you will fill it. I've never seen a person who's just like, you know what? We got this bedroom here. We're not using it for anything, not even storage. Like, you just put shit in it, even if you can't put furniture. Mm -hmm. Like, boxes Mm -hmm. will go in there and ex-girlfriends and such. So you just find a way to fill it. And it's like, well, if we had a smaller thing, it would be less floors to sweep. We're good. So that's the thing that 
that keeps drawing me back into this. That's actually really interesting because I, I think the one one of the reasons why I had the hardest time with Dave Ramsey was I there there was two things. One is I hate to suffer, and I was like, "What do you mean I have to?" <laughs> you know, like. But then two, I, I just it all felt so overwhelming. Yeah. And it was just kind of like, for what? Like, I mean, I, and I, I think the thing that like I like about this, what's intriguing, is it's more about um, a, uh, and I, I get the whole Dave Ramsey. He wants to live like no one else, so you can live like no one else. And I mean, I, the, I like that, and I like the idea of like I'm being more cash oriented. Uh, I just felt like sometimes some of the nuances with Dave is where it, like would get kind of lost, and I, I don't want to turn this into like a let's unpack right, right, right. Dave Ramsey stuff. It just was like. I mean, I when like push when push comes to shove, it's like, well, my student loan payments are locked in terms of like like federal like I've got good I have these good on like low rates. It's not the end of the world if I don't pay this off right now. If it's not overwhelming, anyways, that's a, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Um, and I think what I like about the fire stuff is it feels like it's more of this like tangible goal of like we're gonna do this so we can get we can be able to so we can get to a point where like this happens. Yeah. And like this, it's more, it seems it's like a much healthier way of life. Where I feel like um, I'm not trying to say that Dave Ramsey's bad, but I think that Dave Ramsey preached a, preached a way of life to achieve this end. But I feel like this has more. Um, like a better way to live almost. Yeah. Like their goal for a lot of these people that are like major influencers in the thing, you got this dude named Mr. Money Mustache. He's the faint. Well, he's like the, the Colts follower guy. He wrote an article called um, the simple math, the deceptively simple math behind retirement, early retirement, something like that. And he's written a bunch of stuff about this, but the, the shockingly simple math, that's what it is. And people read that article and they're like, you can't unsee it. But the other thing that he talks about is, like, they, after you get to a certain point, you, you never think about money again. Like, you don't, you're not worried about it. You're not afraid about it. Because you've hammered your lifestyle in stone, and that's an area where you're comfortable. Yeah. Th- th- that's it. That's what is intriguing about this. Yeah. And so his whole thing is, like, like so he figured out that he lives, on four, he lives in a very expensive area in something Colorado. Outside of Denver, it's very like ski town and bike trails, and it's 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 just super expensive. He lives on forty thousand dollars a year. That's his expenses, and he's like, after college, I just kept living as if I were in college. And then, you know, I'm a software engineer making a hundred thousand dollars. I'm married. She's making eighty thousand dollars. We have a kid. She says, I want to step back. I look at my bank account. We had nine hundred eighty thousand dollars, and it was growing every year. And then I just did the math. Well, if I just take out 4%, oh, yeah, no, you can quit your job right now. In fact, so can I. And it was like, for him, he kind of like fell into it. And he's like, I never felt depraved. I never felt awful. I never felt any of these things. And so it, their whole thing, like you have this one guy who's a math nerd, and he's getting a graduate degree in happiness, right? Like, I mean, he's studying happiness because that's what it becomes. And all the people who have achieved financial independence that have these blogs and stuff, I swear, I feel like these people are keeping the blog is, like blogs popular still. Um, it's like the 1990s are like still alive in their in their eyes. Um, but they don't even talk about money anymore. They talk about like, well, is this making me happy? I started this business, so I'm doing this, and uh, now I just volunteer all the time for charitable causes and all this stuff. Um, 
And it's just it's just fascinating. It's just fascinating to me. So, so. where do you think is a good place to start if people want to find out more about this? Uh, okay. Um, I think the first place to start is probably Mr. Money Mustache, the shockingly simple math behind retirement. That's probably like the first article I would go to. Um, there's a ton of podcasts on there. Fire Drill, which is run by these two women, although one women, woman just left Millennial Boss and Millennial Money. There's a book that I just got from the library called Financial Freedom by Greg Sabatier. And he just walks you through how he did it. Um, if you don't understand money and investing, I recommend the book of all books, A Simple Path to Wealth. The Simple Path to Wealth by um, J.L. Collins. You can get all of his articles for free on his website. I think it's jlcollins.com. And you just click the stock series and you can just read through them. The book is a thousand times better. Get the book, A Simple Path to Wealth. Um and I, I guess, um, so I've read Playing With Fire. I've read about 30 articles from Mr. Money Mustache. I've consumed all the podcasts from Choose Fi. I think episode 100 of that podcast, Choose Fi, is a, F-I, is a great beginner's place to learn about it all. Um, and then financially, I would say you need to get the Mint app. You know, Mint? Mm-hmm. Into it has mm-hmm. it. Put in all your account information into that thing and just let it tell you the story of your money. And you'll just start seeing like, oh, crap, I need to optimize here. Oh, my gosh, I didn't even notice this over there. Um, And then try to save 1% in this year. Open up a savings account with Ally or something like that, somewhere you get like 2 or 3% on your savings. And just save 1% of your income. So you need to – the mint thing is to understand – Where's all your money going? Like, how much are you actually spending? Because I don't think most Americans know that. Like, Dave Ramsey was huge because my wife, right before we were married, saw for the first time in her entire life how much debt she actually had. And she broke down sobbing hysterically, and I gave her alcohol. Um, (laughs) And how? Right, right, right. So that's the debt component. And then a baby two years later. (laughs) <laughs> and Dave Ramsey's fine for really corralling the debt component. But yeah. what FIRE does is they give you goals. Like one of the things about FIRE, they critique Dave Ramsey and they're like, Dave Ramsey will say, don't put a penny to your retirement until you paid off all your debt and then overfund your retirement. And their whole thing is like a lot of people when you, cause Dave Ramsey's whole thing is like, you got to psychologically get invested in this, but they're like, so many people are paying down debt for years especially if you're a millennial with student loan debt, that you don't see the good. And if you're working at a company that'll match your 401k stuff, like do that. Go as much as they'll match. Don't go any further and throw the rest of debt. Because the idea is like, it's not just that you're paying down the bad. It's like you're investing for something good. So there's, a, there's some critiques that they have of the Dave Ramsey model, although they, they try not to get super religious into that stuff. But, um, but the big thing is like, you have to see how much you're spending in one month. And how much of that is silly? How much of that is unnecessary? Um, there's a website called Don't Buy Lattes, which isn't fire, but it's kind of tied to it. And it's like, um, you know, you start racking up these $5 things every day. Then it becomes like if you were to invest that amount in a year, and then 20 years later, you're out $60,000 or whatever it is. That's what that guy. But you can only do that so much. This is the great thing about the fire movement being 10 years old. 
is you have all these people who have achieved fire, and the number one thing they say is, yeah, I cut my life to the bone in order to save more money, and I made myself miserable. So it's like, okay, cut the $9 Netflix maybe, but if it makes you happy, keep it. And then try to earn more income. So my big thing would be try to save 1%. If you've never, if you have zero savings, zero savings, and you're paying down your debt, you got to pay down debt, debt will destroy you. You know, maybe save 1% of your month, like one utility, what? Is that on 1% on net or, or gross? Save 1% of your gross paycheck. Right, so if you get paid $1,000 a month, try to just save 1% of that in a savings account. That's not, that's not impossible. No. But then when you begin doing that and you get in the habit, then you say, all right, bank, I want you to take this money out of my check and immediately put it into the savings. You know, I don't even want to see it. And then you just let that happen. And then you, the whole idea is like maybe every two or three months you look at your life and you say, all right, I'm going to add another 1%. And I can find 1% if I cut back here and I maybe add something there. I mean, me and you are very lucky. We have our Patreon fans who give us money. And that is an amazing, like, it's a trust that they give us, but it's an amazing way of being like, all right, here's my side income that's going to this thing, you know. Yeah, Elizabeth Warren wrote a book called The Two Income Trap before she became, um, super political, you know, senator and all that stuff. Yeah. And one of our listeners, when I first started speaking about fire, he wrote on our Patreon page, like, I read her book, A Two-Income Trap, and that opened my eyes. And the whole idea was, you know, two people doesn't cost twice as much to be alive as one person. Because if you live in the same house, you're not buying two houses, right? So the idea is, if you can live on one person's salary, the trap is, when as soon as you have two people, you live on a two-income salary. What happens if one of you loses your job? Well, both of you are going to lose. So if you live on just that one income, income. Mm-hmm. the rest can you know be the buffer and the investing, the emergency, yeah, you know, whatever. Yep, yep. That's pretty much what we did. Yeah, and that's not what I did. the The moment I was able to sustain our family on my income, my wife quit her job, right? Because she wanted to be at home with the kids. That was the thing that we were fighting for. That was the thing that would make her happy. And so by doing that, we cut our life to the bone. We realize, and the thing is, like, you, you realize the assumptions of your spending. Like, you talk about conspicuous spending, right? Like, going to Subway doesn't sound like an indulgence for rich people. But it was the thing that I had to do to keep up with my fellow youth ministers who always ate at Subway. So you're throwing down dollar after dollar after dollar when I could have just brought leftovers, you know? And you don't think about that until you start to add it all up, and you're like, wow, at a Subway or $10 at McDonald's or $10 at this grill place that I go to, like, I can spend $1 and be fine, you know, or $2 for my leftovers, you know what I mean? Mm, Yeah, sure. So leftovers are key. Make sure you have a lot of leftovers. Make sure you make your own food. Pick a day and, you know, if you want their frugality tips, you know, Saturday or Sunday, just make a ton of, make, make three days worth of food. Chop it up, grill it, do whatever you need to do. Just do it all on that day. Have your delicious Sunday dinner and then have leftovers that you can pull from here and there. You know, with Exodus 90, I don't eat on, uh, I do a 24-hour fast on Wednesdays and on Fridays. And I don't eat meat on those days, so the cost goes down a lot. You know, I'll have a handful of, you know, mixed nuts. 
because Luke, you know how much I love nuts. It's, it's a frighten. It's a <laughs> frighteningly large amount. <laughs> oh, and this is the last thing I'm going to say. Luke, I discovered the greatest thing on YouTube. I hope you don't know it, but you probably do. It's called Pitch Meeting. Uh, and it's it's from Screen Rants. I've seen tons of Screen Rants stuff, but I never saw this. It's Brian something. And he does this where he's a writer of a movie and the the uh, the studio exec, and he's pitching him the movie. And it, it's it's one of those things that's even funnier when you make it faster. And he's and they just rip apart every movie in the funniest way possible. And he has certain catchphrases like "blah blah blah" is tight or uh, what is it? Super easy, barely an inconvenience. He'll say that in every single episode because he'll be like. Oh no! The villain was going to destroy him, or the villain's going to destroy this person. Oh no! How's the hero going to get out of that one? Actually, it's going to be super easy, barely an inconvenience. Oh really? Really? <laughs> and he just go, and it's so funny. The Star Wars, the he has done over a hundred of them. I mean, you, just watch. I think I might have sent it to you. The the season eight of Game of Thrones, just hysterical. Oh, you, you did. I started, then I had to stop. Oh, it's so funny. And put it on like one point two five or one point five speed. So funny, man. So funny. So I just did like a fire calculation okay. thing, and it just told me that I can achieve a f- I can achieve a financial independence in six years. Six zero? No, like one six six. Okay, what, what website are you on? I'm on playingwithfire.co. Oh yeah, okay. Oh, I just had to type PL and the address came up. Okay, what? Uh, where's the? Uh, got it. Retirement calculator. Okay, you can achieve finding. Okay. Does this feel like it's like it's credible? Yeah, I mean they factor in certain things. Annual household income. Let's bring that down for me. Annual expenses thirty thousand. Oh, I'm not thirty thousand. Uh, let's say I'm fifty five thousand. Yes, that's one thing. I'm not sure what that is yet. So I might. Okay, so if if I make sixty five thousand dollars a year and I have fifty five thousand dollars of annual expenses, and my current net worth is twenty thousand uh, dollars, I can achieve financial independence in forty four years by age eighty one. <laughs> there you go. Right. So now you understand why I'm desperately trying to get my wife to get on board with this. <laughs> Like if it, you know, and, and this is just, it's just amazing. But when you start to put these things out there um, and you start to see like, oh, if I invest and do this and do that, things can actually change. And really? I think this is powerful for especially Catholic ministers, right? Yeah. Catholics who are doing ministry because so many of us make so little money, but we also make the bad decisions of I'm going to get a apartment by myself. So it's like, okay, so that's an $800 apartment. If I got a two-bedroom apartment and split the rent, we could both we could have a thousand-dollar apartment, but it only costs us each five hundred dollars. So I just saved three hundred dollars, and I got a buddy, right? Like that does things, right? And I I mean, the apartment that I lived in with Jonathan was a one two-bedroom apartment, and that was about nine hundred dollars. And then we got a thousand-dollar apartment between the three of us, so my cost dropped all the way to three hundred sixty dollars a month for housing like that's awesome and i think some people like there was a a line from a um a a racist californian who didn't want to employ chinese people and he said uh 
the white man can outwork a Chinaman, but a white man can't outlive a Chinaman. A white man needs dignity. He needs his own apartment. He needs his own bed. He needs his own, you know, but the Chinaman yeah. will live 20 people into a single bedroom apartment. And so they worked for a penny, whereas a white man worked for a dime an hour, you know, back in the railroad days. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they started minimum wage was to kick out all the Chinamen. Yeah, our country is filled with some really horrible history about being racist to the Chinese. Yeah, it's it like really, really is. Like out in Eureka, they drove out all the Chinese in the late 1800s. Yeah, like quite oh, literally overnight. Yeah, over yeah. the span of like one to two nights, drove them all out, and then I helped bring them all back. <laughs> Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> hey, here's something funny. So that last one said I could achieve financial independence by the time I'm 81. If I reduce my annual expenses by $10,000, I'll achieve it by the time I'm 60. Hmm. Right? So if I keep my annual, exp- annual expenses right there and I increase my salary by 18 years, age 55. Right, and increase my salary by 10000 So you have these things that you start to look at, and you're like, oh, oh, okay, I can do this. Yeah, this is actually really interesting. Yeah. And then watch the preview of the of the movie, Playing With Fire. I'd rather hear your sweet, sweet voice. <laughs> well, watch the, the preview of the documentary, which I posted I would on our Patreon. I would rather hear Yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> um, I, I, you know what? You know what's weird? I think, like, one of the reasons why I was having such a hard time this this past couple of weeks is like I just I haven't been able to talk to you. Yeah, and I, I feel like it throws me off when I can't now. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Like I just feel so much better. Like I felt I had a really good heart to heart with Aaron last night, and I was able to like finally just like get out some stuff with with you and just be able to, to like talk about it. Yeah, I honestly feel like I'm in a much better headspace. Oh, nice. So, yeah. I hope I'm not a monster. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> you're supposed to say you're not. <laughs> no, I hope so too, Luke. I hope you're not a monster. I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming you're not. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. I know. Oh, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy. Christ hear us. Christ graciously hear us. What? Oh, I thought we were doing the litany of humility. I'm sorry. 